This podcast is made possible by Host Analytics and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Mike Peachy, CFO of All Connect, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 320. The G's of the world, the shells of the world, uh, the chevrons, etc., um, they have an understanding of our technology and they, they help open some doors for us uh, from a commercial standpoint. And of course, as I said earlier in my comments, it's up to us to, to sell the business areas on the value that we can bring. But ultimately, um, you know, those relationships from an investor standpoint have been valuable from that perspective. With that said, uh, once we gain some traction and we have gained some traction, uh, it's amazing that uh, the amount of referenceability, if you will, or, or word of mouth that you get through engagement with such large strategic organizations uh, helps enable. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Rup Blackaraju, CFO of Mana, a provider of technology that uses proprietary algorithms to combine human expertise and data. Now, I know what you're going to say, another data startup, but wait. Ever so often we hear about these early stage firms that get the backing of corporate giants. Well, to date, Chevron, Shell, and General Electric are counted among MANA's investors as well as its customers. Rup Lakaraju, a veteran finance leader whose past CFO tours of duty include Support.com and Quantros, joins us after these words from our sponsor. It's no secret finance professionals are dealing with some pretty complex problems these days. Now more than ever, they need tools that can help them streamline complex workflows and focus on bigger strategic issues. By bringing your finance organization together on a single cloud platform, Host Analytics automates everyday processes that would otherwise slow you down. By streamlining your planning, modeling, consolidation, reporting, and analytics, Host helps you connect your organization so you can react more quickly to changing conditions and make better business decisions to optimize performance. Let Host Analytics be your partner in leading the evolution of your business. had in my career uh, has helped prepare me in some form or fashion uh, to, to be a CFO and, and really try and be a business leader, not just a CFO. You know, if I really had to think about uh, three particular um, times in my career, probably the first was, was me choosing to go to public accounting. Um, and, and for me, public accounting allowed me to see many different business and financial environments, deal with many different management teams and see different business models 
And it also provided me a better understanding of, of accounting and what the numbers represent and how those numbers come to be, if you will, and really the science behind uh, financial statements and, and, and you know, associated information, if you will. So that, that was one. Um, a second uh, milestone is, is when I was um, a principal in a, in a venture firm for about three years, and it was right after public accounting. I was very lucky to, to step into such a role at such a young juncture in my career. And in, that, in those three years, it was uh, an amazing experience to see uh, the process of, of really evaluating what companies to invest in from a, from a venture capital standpoint the assessment of teams and technologies and strategies and, and these sort of things. And it gave me a better uh, appreciation for the importance of management and management teams and how they function and, and then if they function effectively, how do they communicate, how do you build trust and, and how do you drive strategy. And, and so that was a, another key uh, milestone. And the third I would say is uh, my choice to leave venture capital and, and jump into an operational role uh, really for the first time in my career um, when I stepped into a, a CFO of a very large multi-billion dollar business unit. Um, and, and for me, it was a, an amazing experience and, and what I wanted to gain and I think I've gained uh, in, in uh, just, just a tremendous amount. Is, is really to be able to, to rely on my direct experiences to evaluate and, and make business decisions, financial decisions, and these sort of things. And, and it's exactly what I wanted to do coming out of venture capital because I had a lot of um, observational experience and experience through public accounting, but not one wherein I was making those line decisions. And so for me over the years, uh, being able to learn in, in, in CFO roles of various sorts for public and private companies has allowed me to get a better appreciation of the complexities of business, but also um, what goes into those decisions. You arrived at the MANA. What is, what is the job you now wanted to create for yourself here? What was, what was your thinking as you arrived? Mana's in in a interesting space and and um, you know a very I guess what can be deemed a, um, a very hot market if you will or, or vertical area uh, and that's really one to, to create knowledge from digital information as more and more companies are digitizing their their records and information within the enterprise and then trying to figure out how to utilize that information for uh, to become knowledge so that they can um, you know. Uh, optimize their business decisions across the, the, the enterprise, really, on a global scale. And, and so for me, being uh, associated with such a company was um, very appealing, but also the opportunity to come into an early stage private enterprise, uh, enterprise software company, and, and help them build um, a stronger, bigger, better, uh, financially successful and business, uh, uh, from a business standpoint, successfully oriented company and so um, and and I'm the first external CFO coming in uh, to the company and so it, it was an opportunity for me to help build bridges across the company within Mana to, to really connect the, the various aspects of the business so that we're operating more efficiently more effectively um, such that from a longer-term standpoint we can drive the business model that we've developed uh, and, and achieve success, not just for our investors, but our customers, 
uh, as well as our employees. Some of the companies you were a finance leader with uh, were fairly mature. Uh, I'm wondering if this is the youngest company you stepped into during the course of your It is career. the youngest company outside of companies that I had invested in as a venture capitalist, which some of which were earlier. Uh, this is the, the youngest company that I stepped into a, an executive role in. Having played a CFO role in those other companies, coming into a company as early stage as this one, does anything surprise you or, or not really? You know, it, what surprised me is the level of traction that the company has gotten, uh, really, and, and, and not just uh, traction in general, but traction with uh, you know the, the the global Fortune 500 type companies that we we sell to, uh, and part of that is is the manner in which the companies raise money from strategic organizations, some of which you mentioned, uh, who have validated the technology, but also allow for some acceleration from a go-to-market standpoint. Uh, and for me, that was an intriguing approach and and and, and model. And so really the traction that we've gotten with these global enterprises and helping solve um, some fairly complex or, or not solve, I should say, optimize some fairly complex business problems or, or challenges that they have and finding ways to help them do it better, more efficiently, more effectively, faster, et cetera, uh, whatever the, the means of measurement that they have. So that, that's what probably has surprised me is, is just the traction that they've gotten with these global enterprises and, and the opportunity in front, in front of us, if you will. Um, as, as a finance leader, how do you manage that, uh, having investors that are also customers? Well, it, it, there, there is some uh, art as well as science, I guess. Um, we're very lucky in that we have tremendous uh, support from, from our investor base. Um, and, and even though they are investors, you know, uh, Shell Technology Ventures, as an example, uh, as an investor, you know, they don't make the business decisions. So we still have to engage the business counterparts within Shell and, and sell them, if you will, on the technology, its capability, the value it can provide, as well as the customer relationship, right? There's no difference from that perspective. It's not as if we get a free pass. And, and so we work very hard um, and diligently in nurturing relationships and, and driving value to our customers. Um, and it really is um, maybe even more important because at the same time, they're investors. And as we continue to grow and, and wish to raise you know, new rounds of financing, we'd obviously like those investors that have invested in the past to continue to invest and, and see the traction that we're getting such that the value of the company has a greater return to them as investors, not just to them as, in, as customers. And so it, it's, I wouldn't say it's any easier. Um, and, and from an information sharing perspective, there's obviously considerations to, 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 to understand and, and maintain, if you will, or be aware of in terms of what information you're sharing uh, with whom and, and for what purpose and these sort of things. So you just have to be very diligent from that perspective. But we're very lucky in that we've got strong partners, both as investors and, and I would say strong customers as well. And knowing you haven't been there very long, but at the same time, have you, have you made any additions to the finance team uh, since your, your arrival there? Uh, have you added any skills that uh, you believe the team uh, will leverage? Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's always important when you arrive to really just spend some time observing and learning 
the organization, and when I say the organization, the company at large, and and you know who has what skill sets, um, and and within your or, own organizations, um, who does what, and why do they do what they do? Why do we you know operate the way we do? What are our policies or processes? Uh, and and identify where improvements can be made. And as a function of that, you also have to assess the skill sets of of the team uh, and the individuals. And so. Uh, I've done that, and, and we've made some changes uh, within the organization um, as we continue to, to build a stronger organization to support a growing business. Again, this might be a different industry than what you were in uh, at the start of your CFO career, but what would you tell us in terms of uh, as you build a team going forward, how would that differ from what you might have done 10 years ago? Well, I think the the – um, the team that you build has to be um, aligned with the needs of the organization that you're entering into, and and so as, as well as the skill sets that already reside within the organization, and, and not just that, but I think the the level of sophistication, business knowledge, financial acumen of the broader organization, um, and and so as as you evaluate those things, I think you then need to ask yourself. What sort of individuals do we need? And, and from my perspective, I think it's very important to have financial um, skills around the table on my team, as well as other administrative areas that, that I've managed through, throughout my career, to have people who understand the importance of building relationships. And, and as I've continued um, in my career, and, and I guess I've been a CFO of some sort uh, for for. 16, 17 years now, and so, you know, I think it you it you learn each and every time, or it's reinforced the importance of the team and and um, how that team needs to fit within the, the the broader company and 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 culture that that company represents. And so, that I think that's one of the most important things to evaluate is is understanding it from that perspective, um, really understanding how the the types of uh, attributes individuals need to have to be successful in an organization because uh, each organization is different and, and, it, and it changes over time, so it's dynamic. And you have to have, I think, financial leaders um, and managers that understand that, respect that, and also can evolve uh, and engage the organization because it's as much about communication as having the, the specific subject matter expertise of an accountant or a financial planning manager or whomever it might be. Okay, I want to find out uh, about your offerings and whether uh, it's it's product as well as services, or how would you how would you characterize what your customers are buying? Yeah, what we ultimately sell is an enterprise license on a term basis uh, to to these Fortune 500 organizations. And uh, as part of that, there is some, some level of pilots, if you will, which are uh, service-oriented, wherein we, we develop these uh, network of models uh, which are powered by our, our patented technology uh, that are helping solve or, or optimize a, a business area. And so, you know, ultimately we're selling a license, but in order to get to that license, there's a pilot wherein there's uh, services wrapped around our technology to enable certain models to be um, built. That is kind of the proof of, hey, here's the output you can get. And with that um, uh, optimized 
set of mod or optimized information, you can make a better business decision or a more efficient business decision, et cetera, from which they then uh, buy a license, uh, which uh, has a recurring nature to it uh, as it renews annually. Were there certain characteristics that uh, the industrial and energy sector has that made this product more attractive uh, to those customers than others? Or why, why did you get traction there first? Or why does Mana have that base there? Well, one, uh, those organizations are some of the largest organizations globally. If you think about, you know, Chevron and Shell, Saudi Aramco is another one. Um, and so, so that's one. There's a lot of complexity uh, in those organizations. There's a lot of business uh, uh, decision points, if you will, that are, are opportunities for optimization. And the final part I'll say is uh, as the, the price of oil – uh, has gone up and down over the years and, and has had a lot of variability, the need for those organizations to uh, use their information across the enterprise to optimize their operations has been reinforced because of that variability of oil prices and, and just the fluctuation that, that or, or the impact that has on their financial um, results and bottom line. And so, those organizations have tended to be uh, fairly progressive in, in their approach to digital transformation and as such have had an open mind about how to go about optimizing their, their business assets and processes uh, and, and are willing to, to engage in using technology to help that optimization. So what are the metrics that you're paying close attention to to uh, make sure the company's growing the way you want it to? Well, you know, being a, a early stage private uh, company, technology company, we, we obviously pay very close attention to cash and cash burn and not just the, the gross value of the cash burn, but where are we spending it and, and where we're spending it, are we getting value for where we're spending it? Uh, so that, that's obviously critical. Um, the, the other part of it is uh, we've been selling in the marketplace for about 12 months now or so. And selling to these Fortune 500 companies around digital transformation, which is strategic in, in all of the com uh, organizations that we're selling into, um, you know, we're very much focused on sales and conversion metrics, if you will, sales conversion metrics. So, you know, where's the pipeline? What's the pipeline creation look like? What sort of logos are coming in? Are they aligned with what we think is the appropriate fit and function of, of a, um, an organization that's driving digital transformation. Um, and so, you know, those are all important. What's the sales cycle times? And then beyond that, I think it's just, you know, where are we? What's the time to get to pilots? What's, um, and if, if people aren't moving to the pilot stage, why? What can we learn from it? Um, and, and then it's really about pilot conversions, if you will, right? What, what's the cost of these pilots? Uh, are we making money on them or not? Uh, are we purposefully taking, um, is this an investment towards the future because there's a, a bigger uh, opportunity with that customer beyond this initial pilot? <clears throat> and then really it's that conversion of pilots into those enterprise licenses that I mentioned earlier. How does a company this size, and I'm wondering if you're, you're partnering with professional services firms or consulting organizations, I mean, how does a company this size find its way into the likes of a, a GE? Uh, I would think that would be, uh, very challenging for a sales rep, uh, but I got to believe it's partnerships. 
Yeah, you know, partnerships are, are definitely um, will be a part of our, our DNA as we move forward. And, it, and to a certain extent, I think um, the manner in which MANA has approached taking on investment dollars uh, has, has been kind of that, that partner, if you will, enablement, uh, at least early on. But we sell direct into these enterprises at this point in time. So, yes, that's challenging, and yes, that's, um, um, you know, there, there's, it's a large cost to be incurred as a function of that. But at the same time, because we have engaged the G's of the world, the Shells of the world, uh, the Chevrons, et cetera, um, they have an understanding of our technology, and they, they help open some doors for us uh, from a commercial standpoint. And, of course, as I said earlier in my comments, it's up to us to, to sell the business areas on the value that we can bring and, and for them to get them to engage and, and you know, issue a PO for, for, for the orders. But ultimately, um, you know, those relationships from an investor standpoint have been valuable from that perspective. With that said, uh, once we gain some traction, and we have gained some traction, uh, it's amazing that uh, the amount of um, referenceability, if you will, or, or word of mouth that you get through engagement with such large strategic uh, organizations uh, helps enable. Uh, from that, aside from everything I just said, we think partnerships with uh, large professional service organizations, whether they are specific to a, a vertical or broad uh, across many verticals, is a, an opportunity to engage the broader market in a more cost-efficient and time-efficient manner. Roop, it's time for me to ask for an aha moment or uh, a finance strategic moment. And by that, we mean a moment of strategic insight that you have experienced along the way in your career uh, by virtue of being a finance leader in your lines of sight into the organization. You either saw an opportunity or risk, whatever it may have been, that led you to uh, perhaps point the organization in a new direction. What uh, comes to mind? Yeah, I, I think there's the opportunity to have many of those, and, and whether it's uh, small or big. Um, you know, I guess one that I point out, which um, I, I think, again, throughout my career, uh, I've been lucky to, to have the opportunity to be very connected to the business and involved operationally. I mean, part of that has been <clears throat> the opportunity to have various operational roles, um, you know, whether that's customer relationships that I've owned, uh, customer success or delivery, et cetera. Um, and, and so for me, when I come into an organization as CFO, it's very important for me to have an organization that is engaged and connected to the business. Um, and it's amazing to me how often organizations that I've walked into have not been. Uh, and, and I think it's, a, it's for multiple reasons that, that people aren't connected uh, from finance and accounting into the broader business. But those organizations that do have those connections, I think, are, are stronger and, and those that can drive more effective business execution and, and drive more consistent financial results. And so as an example, you know, some years back, um, I, I joined a, a large private company. Revenue was probably in the hundreds of millions of dollars at the time. Um, but even with that scale, there, and I, and I uh, managed all of the administrative areas within the within the company on a global level, um, 
those organizations weren't engaged in the business. And, and so it was an, a company that was doing well to a certain extent, but maybe not as well as it could have been doing and, and uh, was losing money, was uh, burning cash at the time, and, and these sort of things. And so as part of me coming in, just one, learning the business and learning the players and, and how – uh, finance and administrative areas at large engaged into the, the to, into the organization and with other executives and functional areas, it became apparent that we didn't have the right um, individuals in, in those management roles across the administrative organizations. And so really went about transforming uh, through new leadership in those areas um, and, and finding the right folks who could then engage the business um, and, and, you know, understand the business, first of all, and then be able to relate and develop relationships with the folks across the, the business at large. And upon doing that, and, and as we uh, built stronger relationships and greater trust, it became a much more collaborative environment, one that was more uh, aligned from a business standpoint and a financial standpoint. And ultimately, uh, you know, we were able to, uh, along with the other leaders across the company, really drive uh, a transformation within the business model, uh, which ultimately led to better business results, financial results, and, and one that resulted in a, a strategic outcome that was good for uh, investors and, and employees. Roop, we're now going to enter our mentoring round where I get to ask you several quick questions intended to uh, inspire and uh, mentor uh, future finance leaders. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? You know, I think what's, what's exciting to me is the, uh, the, the more connectedness of, of business and, and uh, on a global level, the complexities of it, which just require uh, more and more um, the information to be shared across the organizations. And, and to me, um, the numbers tell a story uh, of every company, uh, the financial numbers. And, and the question is, what is that story? And, and uh, how can you help others understand that story and, and then use that to drive the story that you want, if you will? And so I think it's uh, more and more important in today's world um, that that connection happens uh, so that within each and every company, you can transform your organization and your company using the digital information that's uh, available to you. And there's so many tools and, and um, technologies that can be deployed to enable that. What, what do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? So think about it as you first entered the CFO office for the first time and you were looking towards the future of uh, being a finance leader. What, what is that piece of advice you wish you had at the very start? You know, I think it's the, uh, the art of persuasion. Um, you know, so many individuals and, and um, people, I think, believe that they have to own an area. Um, I think the art of persuasion is, is uh, undervalued, if you will, and it's, it's because you can develop relationships and you build a trust um, and, and you also, through those discussions and that relationship, you help um, learn. Uh, you, you learn as an individual, but you also can convey information 
that allows folks to be persuaded uh, in ways that can help the bigger picture, a specific cause, or whatever it might be. And so it's the, the art of persuasion and, and how you go about doing that, I think, is very important. Uh, and especially where you, you know, so many things are virtual in today's business world, uh, whether it's someone, you know, halfway around the world or at a different time zone or, you know, different uh, business area, if you will. And so I think it's really important to understand uh, how to use persuasion to, to enable the business to move forward. Do you have a personal habit you believe has contributed to your professional success? Personal habit? Um, well, I, I don't know if I have a personal habit. I, you know, I, I try and um, be balanced. I, I, I think it's important to listen. Uh, I try and listen and understand. I, for me, it's very important to hear the perspectives of, of different individuals that are affected by a particular business problem or a business area. Uh, and so those different viewpoints, um, I think, can add value to how a, an issue can be evaluated um, such that you can get to hopefully the best answer. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We're about to ask Group for his 12-month finance leader priorities right after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. Uh, what are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Hmm. Well, the financial priorities I think we have from Mana's perspective is continue to, to execute on the customer relationships we have and, and enable those customers that we have today to become strong reference customers such that we can then continue to grow uh, in, in terms of incremental customers, but also drive uh, that sales growth and revenue growth over time while continuing to manage uh, the cost profile of the company such that we can drive you know, closer and closer towards uh, our ultimate goal of having happy customers, but also having financial success as, as a company overall. Ruth Lakaraju, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate your time.
Hi, it's Jack Sweeney with a quick note that CFO Thought Leader now has a quarterly print magazine. That's right, print. Each issue will profile 25 different CFOs. Let me repeat that, 25 CFOs. Other uh, print publications are lucky if they're able to bring you five CFOs per issue. What we understand is that you want to consume content in multiple ways. But wait a minute, there's something more here. We wanted this print magazine to be a podcast companion. So when you receive it, we want you to quickly thumb through it and maybe identify which episodes you have missed. We want you to dog ear those pages, as well as uh, perhaps the pages that feature CFOs from episodes you already listened to but found maybe a little extra value from. 12 months later, you will have a library of 100 CFO profiles highlighted with your insights or comments alongside the CFO thought leaders. Now, how much are we charging for this one-of-a-kind 100 CFO profile library? Annual subscriptions are $119. We think that's reasonable. We thought about it a little bit, but that's, that's what we came up with. Uh, visit us and subscribe to CFO Thought Leader magazine at cfothoughtleader.com, where the future of finance is listening. Thank you.